Hey, race fans, Hall of Famer Daryl Walter here. You know it's time to drop the green flag on another edition of Meaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. So, hey, pull those belts tight one more time. Here's my buddy Hermie Sadler and Senator Bill Stanley. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's see what they have to say, boys and girls. Hello once again. The podcast is back. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. And I'm former NASCAR driver and Fox Sports analyst Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left. Here we go again. Leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. Pacematic. Pacematic's got a good run here, doesn't it? I'll give you the opportunity to set the stage for where we are, because today's podcast, we are not high atop the Stanley Law Group skyscraper in downtown Richmond overlooking the capital of the Commonwealth. We are not. We are sitting high atop the motor coach of SLG Consulting, LLC. We are on location at Southern National Motorsports Park. We are on the road. The race team is racing. We're feeling kind of chippy. Is this what it's all about? It is what it's all about. This is it. This, this is great. We And we're going to do something fun for this week's episode. So now, you know, this is uh, live radio for us. We're It's around lunchtime on Saturday at the racetrack, Southern National Motorsports Park. We're going to knock out about 45 minutes to an hour, do a leaning right moment, do a turning left moment, talk about the General Assembly. You guys have adjourned. We have. But have to go back to get some more work done. We did not finish our work. We will talk about that. We'll talk about the NASCAR season to this point. We'll discuss the first race of the Smart Modified Tour, and specifically the SS Racing Car, a Pesomatic car of Jonathan Brown. We'll also preview tonight's race, and then we're going to come back, take a little break. The people that are listening to this podcast will never know we took a break, but then we'll roll into, uh, after the race tonight, we're going to have our driver, Jonathan Brown, and some of the crew guys, Phil Stefanelli, some of those guys over to recap the race. So you're going to get a preview and a post-race recap of the race, and we'll also look forward to future races on the Smart Modified Tour as well. So a lot to cover today, uh, and I, as always, we want to certainly thank our listeners and our viewers on YouTube. We want to thank Pacematic for giving us this platform uh, to continue to push what we're doing on the racetrack, here on the podcast, uh, in the court of law. Coming up, we'll discuss that more but uh, great, uh, great synergy and partnerships we've got going on. And we've got to discuss your truck incident. We have to talk about that. <laughs> incident? Yeah. I'm sitting home in the bed, and it, it was an incident that I had nothing to do. But, but we, the we truck was titled in your name. Well, yeah. Why don't we lead with that? Tell us what happened. Now, look, everyday <laughs> life, you think all these superstars like these NASCAR legends like Hermie Sadler, they're living that luxe life. Everything's so good. Everything's normal. Life just doesn't hit them, you know, because, I mean— the crap gold. Every time. Everything you touch is just successful. And that's one of the great things about you. But then sometimes situations are out of your control. <laughs> and it happened this time, didn't it? Well, I got a phone call one day last week. Not from me. Not from you. Had three days passed? Yeah. Maybe that's We'll get into that, too. Okay. Because you've been a little bit um, inconsistent with your communication. I'm sorry. I've been busy. So have I. And you're tougher than my wife. But... <laughs> so I get a phone call like at four o'clock in the morning one day last week from a friend of mine named Ed Powell. He's an investigator with the Emporia Police Department. And he says, 
how are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Four in the morning. He says, what are you doing? I was like, I'm cutting grass. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, but anyway, to try to make a long... No, no, no. Take your time. Take your time. This is a great story. <laughs> so I had taken... I have a 2018 GMC four-door pickup. 2018 with about 75,000 miles on it. You know, when I, I was in the car business for years and years and years. Right. And I drove demos all the time. If I if I drove a car for 2000 miles it was unusual. But since I sold all my car dealerships, I get vehicles now and drive them like normal people do. Like this Tahoe that I'm driving today is a 2016, got 115,000 miles on it. And and I love it. It's it's comfortable to me now and I like it. I don't have to have a new car all the time. But uh, but anyway, so the And you love this truck. I love this truck. You love the truck. I drive it all the time. Mhm. The um, the radio in the truck was malfunctioning. So it would by itself change channels or switch from Sirius to regular radio or to media. It was, it was glitching. Yeah. So I had made an appointment with uh, Boyd Chevrolet, uh, my good buddy, Brandon Boyd, who I sold all of my car dealerships to, uh, back in 2007. And uh, we remained close friends and they take care of us in a big way on the service end of things. So you know, I made an appointment to get my truck, fixed they ordered a new radio brains for the radio and i was getting it serviced oil changed all that so my truck was at boyd so some fine upstanding virginia gentleman from richmond decided he was gonna <laughs> break into boyd chevrolet at four o'clock in the morning this gentleman uh broke in the one uh some of the uh, pane glass windows in the back of the service department at boyd chevrolet unhooked and stole three cash registers that were in the service department and the parts department, then breaks into the key box where they've got all the keys locked for all the customer vehicles. So there's like 26 keys in that key box. Probably all the cars Way are there. Way more than that. So I it's mean, like a hundreds. lot. Of, yeah. This guy breaks into the key box, looks around, grabs a set of keys, to your point, of all that. Not only the cars getting worked on, but in the back, in the shop, inside, the outside. Ones. So in the, all this is on film. They showed me some of the film of this. Oh, that's got to be on the podcast. The guy, YouTube. the guy opens up, you know, breaks into the key box, and he's like flashing around with his hand, hitting the unlock button, <laughs> waiting to see what lights up. And what lights up? Hermes truck. My 2018 <laughs> GMC, uh, my baby. So he lights it up, and so he decides to go. Um, put the cash registers in the back of my GMC truck mm -hmm. and drove to Richmond. So they, you know, he called me and asked me some questions about the truck. And then uh, I have OnStar on the truck, but I didn't have it activated. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm on a fixed income now. <laughs> I'm not racing or doing yeah, TV your anymore. Your income is whatever Angie fixes. Yeah, whatever Angie have. allows me to get on my truck. <laughs> Me I get, too. So I have, the same way. I, I have uh, OnStar, but I do not have it activated. But anyway, they said, as long as you got OnStar, we can activate it. So the police were able to activate the OnStar on my truck, and they found the truck. This guy had driven it to Richmond, to a, let's just say, a shady part of town mm -hmm. in Richmond. And I guess he just pulled up in front of an apartment complex and, you know, around 6, 630 and went in and was taking a nap. You know, yeah, we had a big day. He had a big day, long day. And I guess he just pranced out, you know, a couple hours later to get back and 
maybe go, I don't know, rob somebody else. <laughs> rearrange the cash registers. Yes, in rearrange the, the cash registers at maybe a dealership in Richmond. <laughs> and the police were waiting on him and arrested him and all that. So uh, they ultimately brought the truck back to Emporia. Um, in great condition, I bet. Well, the um, couple things I could have dealt with, a couple things I could not deal with. Um, he tried to pry into my toolbox in the back, and he broke the latch on the toolbox. Get get around that, no problem. Mm-hmm. A couple scratches on the doors and in the back of the cab. You know, as much as I didn't like it, I could have dealt with that. They even found four crack pipes. Slightly used? Slightly used crack pipes in the back seat of my truck. Backseat? So he had friends. He, either that or he threw them in the back after he... I, I don't know how they do that. Uh, as much as I dislike that, I could have dealt with that. Okay. But the straw that broke the camel's back, you might say, was the fact that he or his friends or somebody had smoked a couple packs of Newports. You don't and smoke in your truck? I do not smoke in my truck. Hmm. And I don't... I don't... You know, and it was... Ashes, cigarette butts, and things of that nature all over the in, truck. Oh, in the truck. In the truck. So well, instead of flicking it or putting it out or not even using the ashtray, they just destroyed the inside of the truck from a smell. And, you know, so what so I it decided. like a whole pack of Newports. What I decided to do, uh, my first inclination was, you know, and those that know the car business a little bit, Getting new vehicles these days is difficult. It, a lot of dealers are not do not have inventory on the lot. Is that because of the chip from chip China? and other supply chain issues? And so the it's it's not just as easy as saying, "Hey, I'm gonna get a new truck." Right. Um, but I I was gonna trade the truck and get another black Chevrolet pickup. The the folks at Boyd found me a truck, a, a new a new Chevrolet. This one's a GMC. They couldn't find a GMC. They found me a Chevrolet which I got, and I was going to trade this truck in. And then I decided uh, Ken Hodges, those of the those of you that are listening to this podcast that are go-kart racers, you know, I'm in the karting business as well, Premier Racing Chassis. Yeah. My buddy Ken Hodges that runs my shop was driving a 2017 black GMC pickup truck that had about 200,000 miles on it. So what I ended up doing was letting them clean and refurbish my truck that was stolen and gave that truck to Ken. Did you trade in the crack pipes with it? Um, I hope the crack pipes I mean, So if it. I wanted to buy that truck, am I going to get three or four crack pipes that I can take with me? Uh, that would be up to something you'd have to work out that's with the like dealership. That's like an add-on. I think that's a... Yeah. Well, to me, it was not an add-on. Not on... Not, not, not. <laughs> so I ended up trading in Ken's truck with 200,000 miles on it and got me a new... Uh, 2022 black Chevrolet pickup and Ken Hodges, those of you want to give him grief, he is driving the crack mobile. Really? The crack mobile. He upgraded to a 2018 <laughs> with about 70,000 miles on it from a couple a scratches on the door. couple scratches on the door. We had to fix the toolbox, uh, got rid of the new ports and hopefully discarded the crack pipes and we're all moving on with our lives. And although I hope the perpetrator is, um, in jail, he's probably already out and doing something else. Well, right in, now. in today's world, he's probably got bond or got yeah. you know, PR personal. I don't know why you wanted me to tell that story, but there it is. Because I think it's hilarious, and and because really, because <laughs> it happened to me. Well, as your lawyer, I, I know that's really not the story. That's a story you told Angie. 
but what really? What's your version of the story? Well, my version would be a little more colorful and involve you. Wait a minute. <laughs> Our executive producer, Chad, who is on location with us. Yes. At Southern National Motorsports Park. Before we came on the air, he tried to give me a dissertation, a lesson, instructions on how to properly speak into the microphone. Correct. To give the show the highest quality. Yes. He frowned upon the fact that you, after a long General Assembly session, long week at work, long trip to the racetrack, you decided to have an adult beverage while we're taping this podcast, which I is did. great. And I am. He fussed at you about making sure not to have ice noise. That So we're sitting here doing a high-quality production, and he's dropping shit on the floor over here. What'd you, what are you doing? He dropped his phone. Drop so what, what? look when he when he messes up he's not Chad Monday he's Brad Tuesday so this is Brad Tuesday coming live he's all excited he's at the track so do he's we have to start all Jesse over or, again are we going to just edit out your dropping of the equipment maybe you need to make me another drink um, so can't you make that a little more colorful like involving like like you and Elliot went to a bowling alley had a couple schnapps so I can start off with what had happened was <laughs> I mean. But it was a great story when you called me and told me that I, I was I was trying to be a good friend and be serious. No, you weren't. But okay. okay. Well, okay. I laughed. And and I couldn't stop laughing. But, you know, it was just my time, you know, of, of the hundreds of vehicles on the lot. The guy chose my truck. And he's driving to Richmond four and five o'clock in the morning, parking in the shady part of town, and my truck has got Sadler Brothers Oil Company logos on the yeah. side of it, on the license plate. So right. at least we got some good <laughs> Advertising. So maybe the Travel Plaza will have some. I'm some sure it's customers. I'm sure it's drawing. Should put skill games right on the side. You know, we we are trying to advertise to families with children. That's right. You have to under the law. We have to under the law to keep our <laughs> games. Apparently, so well, not right now. But you we, might. We're trying to trying to um, you know expand our advertising. So the Hermie Sadler Sadler Brothers Oil Company company truck went on a little excursion last week. Well, see, this is the reason I asked you this story is because the last podcast that we had with Danny Marshall, you made me tell the story about when I bought this motor coach that we're sitting in. And you got stuck. Then you got it stuck. Uh, I, uh, number one, I had my son who drives an ambulance and a fire truck drive it back from North Carolina because I didn't want to mess it up as soon as but I. But he didn't it. get it stuck. No, you I got said, it let stuck. Me once it was in the driveway. Yeah, let me. Yeah, so it was. It was all of. I drove it all. So of he drove feet. it all away from the dealership back to the house. With no issues. Correct. And you managed to, from the beginning of the driveway to the end of the driveway, to get it stuck. 15 feet. So you make that story cool, <laughs> ever how you see fit. No, no, no. But you put that on me in the last podcast. So so then I want to follow so it up. So get, getting... With you. So my truck getting stolen is my fault. No, it's just funny. Oh. It is. Because, you know, I mean, everything's good. And, and you getting your own motorhome stuck, I'm sure, is my fault. Uh, uh, I'd love to blame it on you, but I can't. I'll take the blame. But the problem was, is then I was... Just add it to the list. Well, add to it also to the list that you, you once I got this motor coach, you know I had never driven something like this before. I drive it 15 feet. I get it stuck in the mud at my law office, mm -hmm. Stanley Law Group Law Office. First question is, why does a high-profile, highfalutin, uh, legendary trial lawyer have a mud driveway to start with? Uh, it's an uh, it's it's a gravel driveway. It's a circular. Driveway. Okay, let me rephrase my question. How does a legendary, highfalutin, 
trial attorney like yourself have a gravel driveway? Because uh, it's a historic house built in 1786. So it's an old plantation house right there at downtown Moneta. And uh, or, or right there at Scruggs Road in at Smith Mountain Lake. Go ahead and get, tell anybody exactly where you are yeah. located. <laughs> Thirteen five zero eight Booker T Washington Highway. Your 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 customers would appreciate probably a, an asphalt driveway at this historic location, they would. but they would they would. But and so would your motorhome. But then it's an old farm, so it has a has a grassed area next to an old barn, next to a, an old triple uh, outhouse. And I thought I would park it away from the trees, so it would not get. Anything on it? I mean, we're, it was the middle of winter. It was right before we went to General Assembly session, and so I said, "Hey, son, get out, get out of the driver's seat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna park this thing. I'm not because you're not gonna park it here in the driveway because it would block all of the many clients that I have." So I turned around, moved it sideways, and then I didn't like where it was, and I thought, "Well, I'm gonna straighten it up." So you just kept trying till you got it. Stuck. And I dug that thing about four inches down in the ground. Mm-hmm. So the lead up for that was when we got the coach. Now I am psyched out. I am totally gig out on being able to do this properly. Mm-hmm. And then every time I'd call Hermie, he's like, you drive the coach yet? No. <laughs> hey, you driving the coach this weekend? Yeah. First time, right? Yeah. <laughs> every time he would sit there and laugh so at me. So your virgin experience yes. driving the motorhome was less than successful. For 15 feet, yes. Yeah. Yes. I but, mean, your, your first go at it was... yeah. Less than successful. So I'm going to tell you when I got when I left the office because actually it was out of the mud by then. Mm-hmm. I'd moved it. Well, I had somebody move it. Let's be honest. I didn't move it. I wasn't. I I, I didn't you, want to jinx it. If, let's eventually let's get to the point that you drove it down here. Yeah, but actually on a highway. So here here's the lead up to that quickly. Uh, so I get in the thing. My wife has decked it all out. We're getting. We got the family. We're going down here to Southern uh, National Motorsports Park, and uh, I'm going to have to drive. And so my whole staff, including Chad, who just dropped the phone, right, okay. the guy that dropped the phone, mm-hmm. comes outside like they're watching, you know, like a meteor shower, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there. I said, "What the hell are you doing? Get to work." Well, they're videoing. Working. Oh no, they're they are watching this. So I'm getting in. I am now nervous. All I have is Hermie Sadler in my head. <laughs> That's all I had. All and you like, would need to do to make the first story better from getting stuck is like bag into a tree or something. Okay, well. Uh, it came close, but um, so I didn't know that it had a parking brake. So I, I'm, okay, I'm in. I'm going to be confident, and I put it in drive, and I goes, I'm like, oh my god, what the hell's going on? This is wrong. My wife looks at me and goes, did you release the parking brake? I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's a parking brake. So I thought I released. You didn't have the jacks down, did you? No, yeah. no. And I, and then I, so then now they're all watching. So now the pressure's on, and I got to pull it out of a little driveway entrance and get it on the on the road. I did that. I white knuckled it for thirty minutes. I mean, and, and I was hitting everything possible. Some of the trim came off, had to pull over, and then I got to go get gas. I mean, it was a white knuckle experience for the first hour, and then about hour two, I was not nervous. Hour three, I was loving it. Hour four, I mean, I want to drive it all the time. In fact, I'm going to drive it to court every day. But that'll, that'll, but that'll you had me psyched attention. out, totally psyched out. By, how, how did I have you psyched out? Just by the way, by your attitude, by me laughing that you got it stuck. No, about you. Like you wanted to hear the story about the first time I. I'm, drove. I'm glad you made it here safe. Me too. Yeah, especially precious cargo. I mean, I have yeah. the kids and dogs and my wife. But the, the stories are not similar in that somebody didn't come in the middle of the night and steal your motorhome and go get it stuck in a ditch. <laughs> you did it yourself in the middle of the correct, day. Correct. Okay. Maybe so, maybe there's nothing. There's no correlation. But the good news is, uh, I've got a new truck that I've yet to drive. Ken Hodges has got. To him, a new truck 
less the crack pipes, mm-hmm. and we traded in Ken's old truck uh, towards my new one. So it's all good. So did you get a new truck? I, I got a new truck. Yes, I've. It's, You've it's in the shop. No, I've got it. It's in the shop, but I won't drive it until I need it. Okay. So if anybody wanted to break a plate glass window and grab the keys, where would that be? <laughs> all right, just whisper. Bad news is not we, bad news. We can edit it out, but. It was an unfortunate set of circumstances that prompted me to get a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. So now guess what? Angie says it's her turn. Oh. So now we've had to order a vehicle for her, which I hope never comes in. Rolls Royce? No. No, she likes Suburbans. Oh, all right. So we get her a Suburban. She, likes, she caters in it. You know, she uses it for catering. She's work. the hardest working woman next to Laura. So let's get to the business of the podcast. Sure. Although we do not yet have a sponsor for this segment, you and I agreed that on the podcast we would start doing Leaning Right Moments, sponsored by your company here. Yes. And Turning Left Moments, sponsored by your company here. So uh, we'll get to you first on your Leaning Right Moment. I know uh, last week you guys, as a General Assembly, adjourned from your uh, duties in Richmond, mm-hmm. but you have to go back. Work is not done. So if you can tell us a little bit about how things ended up as a group of the General Assembly, how the session went for you personally and things that you were trying to get accomplished and the budget and other things that people need to know. And when do you think you'll go back and how how difficult will it be to get the budget Resolved. That's a lot to unpack. So we go in on the front end of a biennium budget, two-year budget. We plan the whole budget for the Commonwealth of Virginia, 110, 120, 130 billion. I mean, and plus we have surpluses. Now there are priorities that which we have to pay for. There are a lot of things we want to pay for, and there are things we cannot pay for. So we put together a budget over 60 days. Governor hands down. Actually, Governor Northam handed down his last budget as he left. Then the Senate and House uh, amend those budgets. They amend them quite differently now that the House is in the uh, in the Republican majority. Their their priorities are different, obviously, than the Senate that has a twenty one nineteen majority for the Democrats. We're left out of the process as Republicans in the Senate. They write their budget, so we're like three and a half billion dollars apart, spending priorities, what to do, where to go, and then we had um, we had what we call conference committee reports, getting final bills rectified, any differences in language, voting on them as we get out. You would think for 60 days we could get this done. We couldn't. We have 47 bills that did not get out of conference committee only because we ran out of time. Republicans were willing to stay. We were willing to say, look, and I would much prefer it. Let's stay a week. Let's get it done. Because I have a business to run. Now it's up in the air. But but they didn't even meet. They did not even meet the, the Republican and the House, uh, Republican in the House, Senate, Democrats, budget finance conferees did not even meet or met very slightly. And we walked out of there with no budget for the Commonwealth of Virginia. So now we have to come back in a special session, which will take up those 47 other bills that we didn't get finished. We'll also take up our obligation to pick members of the Supreme Court, Court of Appeals and other courts. We didn't get that finished. 60 days, we couldn't get that done. So it was disappointing. One of the worst things in my leaning right moment was that Governor Yunkin was making appointments. You may have seen that Andrew Wheeler had been appointed as a uh, for the e, for the, what we call our our EPA chief, which is DEQ. He'd worked in, worked in the Trump administration. 
in our last podcast with Danny Marshall, we talked about it. Uh, what happened was he was rejected uh, because of political reasons, because he had the name Trump associated with himself. So this time, as you know, we have a parole board that has been paroling under Ralph Northam and Terry McAuliffe, murderers, people that were convicted of murder. So when Youngkin came in, one of his promises was he was going to fire the parole board and start a new, which is his right to do as a governor. So he fired the parole board, assigned a new chairman. He had uh, certain picks uh, that he put up, and we usually just perfunctory exercise, which is just normal stuff. We, we vote him in. I voted in a lot of people I didn't like for Northam and for McAuliffe, but, you know, if the governor wants certain people in the certain positions that he has the authority or she has the authority to appoint, then by God, they should have that right. So we were fine with that, not the Democrats. But here is where they were clever by one half. So he put up four points, very qualified people, people that were leaving their jobs to take these positions. They turned them down in the Senate. They vote them down in the Senate. We had a three-hour debate about it. What are you doing? I mean, and they said, because we're going to teach the House of Delegates a lesson. Because the House of Delegates had stripped out some of uh, Governor Northam's appointments, 11 to be exact, on his way out of the thousands that he basically put in as we leave. Uh, they took out 11, and they thought that was unfair. They, they screwed Wheeler. And now they thought, huh, we're going to show him. We're not going to approve his parole board appointments. Well, the parole board in Virginia in any state— Basically, has somebody who's eligible for parole, reviews their case, reviews their, their progress in, in, in the penitentiary, and then grants or denies the parole. If they deny it, they come back a year. If they grant it, then they get, they get freedom. Some people, when they serve you know, their sentence, they serve their debt to society, deserve parole. Some don't. Murderers don't. But the Democrats were releasing murders. The Democrat-controlled parole board were releasing cop killers. So they thought they were very clever. They denied that. Well, guess what they did? There's no parole board. So guess what? They love parole. They want everybody to get parole. There's no parole board to get parole. So there's no parole board. There, Nobody's eligible for parole until they— They're eligible, but there's not going to be a hearing. Not going to be a hearing. Yeah, everybody goes before the parole board. So in my leaning right moment, one, we failed in a split uh, party you know, between the House and the Senate to get a budget, get our work done, and now we got to go back and who knows how long or what it will be for. Two— they thought they were being clever and they were gonna they were gonna deny Yunkin his his right, I think his his ability to have parole board members that would review parole. And so now we have no parole board and no no vehicle by which anyone can get parole or get reviewed per, for parole. So they cut off their nose to spite their faces. And they quite frankly were acting kind of childish. That's how we left. And I think it's unbecoming of us. I think you know, we're here to do a job and we didn't do it. So let's stay and get it done. Nah, we'll go home. It's surprising that many of the Democrats are retired or don't have jobs and all us Republicans run our own businesses. And we said, look, I can't plan for this kind of time. I mean, but it doesn't matter to them. It seemed like no big deal. And now they've, they've shot themselves in the foot and there's no Virginia parole board and nobody's getting reviewed for parole, no matter how long. And this may go on for a long time. As it relates to the budget, that's been of even more concerned to me personally because those that follow this podcast i'm sure know by now that you and i have a lawsuit against the commonwealth of virginia and the attorney general's office as it relates to government overreach into small business the issue being the skill games ban right and so far there's been nothing come up during the general assembly session that was 
relating to that, we, we kind of felt like people in General Assembly were going to honor the time-standing tradition of not trying to litigate something while there was ongoing litigation. So the last thing we've been kind of waiting on to see kind of where our next fight was going to come from or what our next step needed to be was, was there going to be something written into the budget, either on the House side or the or the Senate side, that we would have to deal with in our ongoing litigation? So if the budget's delayed, that kind of puts us in another delay pattern as well, I would assume. No, I think you're right, and I think she here the— And by the way— there's racing, which I love. Yeah. Chad probably doesn't like it. But we're at we're live at the racetrack. You can hear the booming. Southern National Motorsports Park. And I love the fact that we're doing this podcast and there's open wheel modifieds on the racetrack mm. uh, at you know here at Southern National Motorsports Park. So we hope you love it too. It's like playing music in an elevator to me. There you go. It's soothing. There you go. So yeah, you're you're exactly right. So nothing came out in the General Assembly with regard to legislation to try to regulate or ban. Because I think they know what we were able to establish in the court of law is that these are protected by the constitutional right of free speech. And so, therefore, we have an ability and a right to operate because we're not a game of chance, which is illegal in the Commonwealth of Virginia, except when the casinos come in. Mm-hmm. It's a game of skill. It, the games that you run in your truck stops and your slip-in food marts and, and all of these convenience stores around the Commonwealth that were, that were the ones that were regulated – the 6,000 machines with the yellow sticker on them, which were allowed to be turned back on. Nothing else. And what we've seen is a proliferation of these illegal games getting turned on, vape shops, all this other stuff. The only ones that right now are legal to run based on the injunction granted by the court are the ones that were regulated under the ABC for that one year with the yellow sticker. Um, So they peel back charitable, because charitable was getting out there with VGTs, video game terminals, games of chance, Mm -hmm. video slot machines, and they were going outside of the normal areas, like in charities, which are your fraternal order of police, VFWs, VFWs yeah, those kind yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. And they had to be there. Now they were wanting to be in bars, or they were going into bars. I think you were even approached, were you not, about some people that were running charitable? Yeah, yeah, charitable. yeah they, they wanted to come put charitable games in my building, in my IHOP uh, location next to my convenience store uh, in Skipper's. And they were just taking advantage of the skill game ban mm-hmm. and there was a kind of a big a big hole in the market people yeah. looking for for places to go play and charitable was trying to jump in and fill some of those gaps when it was like the wild wild west because the law it that still was, is. we've talked about senate bill 971 was so vague and overbroad it just opened the door for illegal gambling when in skill games the ones that you're fighting for for your travel plaza for your businesses for businesses throughout the commonwealth really were Played within within the rails of the rules, mm-hmm. uh, paid a, a healthy tax for it, uh, and quite frankly, helped those small businesses during the pandemic. Easy to, to, to be there. Now, you've got VGTs in the back of vape shops. No taxes being paid. They control the outcome because it's a game of chance. It's not, you know, it, it you basically, someone may be out in a computer 30 miles, 300 miles away, manipulating the odds. That's not what happens with, v, with uh, skill games. So they pulled back charitable to where it was before because, you know, charitable was even opening up uh, poker houses, mm-hmm. you know, Texas Hold'em. Texas Hold'em, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and so what we were waiting for was, okay, what's going to happen to us? Now, we do, just like you said, have in Virginia, if there's ongoing litigation, we don't create legislation to solve the litigation necessarily or to make it worse. So there was one feeble attempt that was pulled back. 
and actually it was a feeble attempt to amend a charitable. So there were no, no pieces of legislation came out. How, just like you said, however, you can amend the budget or write something into the budget, which is in effect a law. Now, it's only as good as the budget is. So that, that, that is to say, as long as the budget is in effect, the law is in effect. So it has a two-year shelf life at best. Maybe one because we amend the budget in the next year. In the original budgets that were put out by the House and the Senate, we were very appreciative. There was nothing in there. But now when you go into these conferences, when it's the 11th hour, when there's enough time where those deals can be made, and who knows whether it's uh, casino interests or, or, or anybody else, then they can try to write something into the budget that may restrict or try to prohibit skill. Now, I think that's, I think that's really not likely to be successful. They can write it. But they'd have to eliminate all skill games in Virginia. And I'm not talking about skill games that you find in a truck stop. I'm talking about skee-ball, coin pushers, a ring toss, things you see at the state fair, things you see at Chuck E. Cheese, things you see at Dave & Buster's, King's all Dominion, gone. Dominion, Bush Gardens, all you name gone. it. Yeah. All gone. There's just no way. You'd have to eliminate it all or because you can't cut with a scalpel in skill because there's that interaction, there's that First Amendment protection. You'd have to cut with an axe. So... That's what we're waiting, you know, sitting on our hands right now, waiting for is what's going to come out in the budget. And their advantage is, Hermie, is that they know everybody wants to get the heck out of there. And one little piece of, uh, of ban, you know, written legislation in a budget, which you shouldn't be legislating through the budget. That's what I was told when I first came there. But they do it all the time. So most people are going to overlook the impacts of some of the things that when you read and dig down into that budget can really affect small businesses, can really affect Virginians. And so that's what we're kind of waiting on to see, because what, let's say they do it. If they do it, then I'm going to have to amend my complaint, because we still have to kick out 971 mm-hmm. as an illegal, unconstitutional law. But there may be an add-on where we have to include something else, and the fight begins again. And so that's what we're waiting on. I hope that those members of the conference committees find a better route. Again, this is a business that's always played by the rules, that has paid taxes, that helps small business in Virginia including but not limited to yours, mm-hmm. has a limit of the number of games. And, and right now, you can determine what's legal and illegal because if it doesn't have a yellow sticker, ABC sticker on it, it's illegal. And so that's been the challenge for law enforcement. That's been the challenge for localities. And we have a solution. They just, I, I don't know what it is, but they're just not willing to was, go there yet. I use the term unintended consequences. When the skill game ban went into effect July 1, when the games shut down also what went away was the oversight and regulation from abc right so that has allowed all the people that do not want to play by the rules infiltrate the entire state as they were doing they've been doing even before we got our injunction and they have july 1 as soon as our games went dark the illegal people are the ones that don't care what the law is anyway Mm -hmm. started to come up with plans on how do we take advantage of this vacuum we've got to get in and so there's been a lot of confusion. And there was, last week I called you, there was some kind of notice or letter that came out. So much confusion, even with Commonwealth attorneys and administrators of cities and towns, as it, on their thinking of what our injunction really meant and what, where we stand headed back into our court case on May 18th. Exactly right. And, and, and here's why. Because Senate Bill 971, which created all that convoluted language, is still out there. And they don't understand what the injunction actually did. So they're confused. And understandably. So I wrote the letter to the, uh, to the county administrators who had this legal opinion that said all skill games are illegal. And said, no, 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 no. Just the ones that don't have the sticker. It's easy. Yeah. 
easy enforcement. Yeah. So if you go in a place and it doesn't have the ABC sticker on it, guess what? Gone. Illegal. And that was one of the most important parts, in my opinion, of our injunction hearing was one of the things that our opponents or the people that want to kill games of skill in our locations were trying to make people in the General Assembly believe that our games could not be regulated, they could not be taxed properly. You know, they're games of skill, so you win based on the skill of the player. Right. So it's not predetermined when, who, how much you win. So they wanted to make it sound like oh, you can't have these games, there's no way to regulate them, there's no way to police them, no way to enforce it. And yet the chief deputy officer of ABC at your trial. At trial under oath said we had no trouble doing this. Right. We you know, the taxes got paid, the regulation got taken care of, um, convenience store and truck stop operators played within the rules, the people that played played within the rules, so there was no issue. Taxes paid. Taxes paid. What, $140 million? $140 million. And, and basically, it was relatively simple for an ABC agent to walk into a locality and see the game, and it's quite simple. Does it have a yellow sticker? Right. Or does it not? Sometimes government, when it's in a rush, does the best because it doesn't overregulate. It does not create so many confusing rules. And that was actually... Hey, don't worry about the noise in the background. It's great. <laughs> he says the battery's about to die, so we're going to have to re-up the battery in a second. But what the ABC did was a simple process. Very effective, very quickly put in place. And they had the agents to oversee it. And they had the agents ultimately to enforce it. And now we don't have any enforcement, except at the localities. And the local levels of sheriffs your commonwealth attorneys, but even they're confused. And that seems to be the problem right now. I'm just so glad that I'm not involved in politics. Mm, not that yet. all I not can do yet. That's is it. fight for what's right for small business. I'm going to have to write down these topics because the more you talk, the more I want to talk to you. And I think we have something to talk about here in a little <laughs> bit, but we're going to have to take a break. Chad's giving us the wind it up because he put uh, some dead batteries in our uh, right. our console. So he's going to have to, we're going to, have to have a meeting that. with our executive producer. But we want to take a moment. We'll be back to discuss our turning left moment, which we'll talk some NASCAR racing. We'll talk some Smart Modified Tour yes. racing and set the stage for this weekend's race in the Smart Modified Tour at the Southern National Motorsports Park. But before we do that, thanks to Pacematic for all they do. Leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator is powered by Pacematic. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at SaveWithConrad.com. Wouldn't 2022 be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had, pay off your credit card debt, and even get the cash you need right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all-new podcast, Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations for pilot travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva Petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. 
Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Saddler's Faux Show Bar and Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. Our locations include Saddler Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at Exit 12, the Saddler Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on Exit 11B off I-95, and Saddler Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Saddler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina, that's Exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers. And Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. And welcome back to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. We are on location, Southern National Motorsports Park, just outside of Wilson, North Carolina. The Sadler Stanley Racing team got their first pole of the season early today. Finished the race in 11th position. The series' next race is down at Caraway Speedway, Ashboro, North Carolina, then to the famed South Boston Speedway, South Boston, Virginia. Bill, what's wrong? <laughs> the wind is going in my uh, my shade. Oh, do you want to remind everybody where we are? We're not in the Stanley Law Group skyscraper. We are not. We are in the SLG Consulting LLC Motor Coach. And I'm going to tell Brad. Brad, hit the retract button on the uh, on the screen. Yeah, do that. Bring while the we're awning talking. in. Yeah, awning. That's what it's called. See, you you rather bring it stuff. in than than let it blow off the side. Well, yeah, because you know I hear all these horror stories about the one thing that always breaks on a camper, RV, or yeah. motor coach is the awning. And the other best part is, I'll go ahead and let you know about motorhomes. When you take it to get anything done to it. They charge you $7,500 just for being a dumbass. Really? For like having one. And then anything they do to the bus, they charge you on top of that. <laughs> are, are you looking for a motor coach? Because no. you got one maybe for sale. No. I've had hundreds. I do have one left. Yeah, it's beautiful too. That uh, we'll be bringing to future events. And I can, I'm looking out the window right now and seeing our boys uh, pulling up here. So we're going to... We're going to get out there in a second and barbecue for them and make them a nice meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I we had need to a- get Jonathan Brown. On here too, our driver. He's yet to be on the podcast. He has yet to be on the podcast. I think he's going to be here. Some of these guys are getting out here early, but I have one question. Let's talk about racing. No, 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 no. No, we're we've not. already done Listen. leaning right. Her. We've we've talked about the general assembly. We've talked about the right. budget. Right. The fact that y'all couldn't agree on a budget. Right. Pacematic, and that you've got to go back and right. in special session. Okay. All about me. We've talked sure. about Pacematic. We've had Gina Buzek, great team member of Pacematic. She's been on. So now when you talk about racing, no. No, no. You know what? It has to do with racing or race. Because what I'm hearing, Hermie, and, and this is the question I have to ask you. Okay. I mean, because we involve ourselves in politics, racing. We, sm- well, yeah, you and me, right? No? I don't involve myself myself in politics. Oh, yes, you do. I'm in litigation. Okay. But you've been involved in Not legislation. Policy. You corrected me earlier, remember? Correct. Correct. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Legislation, litigation, two, two different things. They feel the same. They sound the same. Sometimes they cross over. And somebody over. gets it up the ass. <laughs> Sometimes one way they the cross other. over. All right. True. But I got a question. Okay. And I got to ask you this. All right. I've been hearing from some of our operatives in your area. You know, we have the new Senate District 17. Yeah. We started out this podcast when you put Sadler Senator as our Twitter feed handle. Right. I was in the legislature right in the first week. Had forgotten that you were doing all this stuff. Then I find out everybody's talking to me going, oh, Sadler's running for Senate in the 17th. 
open district redistricting mm-hmm. in your area, perfect candidate you would be. And everybody's talking about that, including some of those legislators who are elected who would love to run for that seat mm-hmm. or believe, and unfortunately, this is the way legislators sometimes believe, that it is their seat. You know, the seat I'm in right now, the 20th, is not my seat. Mm-hmm. It's the people's seat. I'm now going to run in the 7th Senate District, which has changed, but it's only if the people will have me. It's not my seat. Right. I'd like to serve them, mm-hmm. but it, it belongs to the people that you serve. Mm-hmm. But sometimes legislators, when they get into the General Assembly and House of Delegates or the Senate, believe suddenly it's about them. Now, what I am hearing, and maybe, maybe you, you can help me out with this, is that there is a certain legislator or legislators that believe that you are a threat to run and, and you could win that nomination if you, if you decide to do it. Because I think there's so many people, and it's a 52-48 Democrat, 51-49 Democrat seat. Mm-hmm. But I think you could, you could turn around, probably help us get in the Senate to a majority, which would really change what we could do in Virginia for the last two years of Governor Youngkin's term and also in the future. Plus, you're such a strong voice, such a, such a personality. You've run a great small business. You, you've always been there for people. And yet what I'm hearing is that there are certain people or persons that believe that that seat may belong to them. Right. Who are trying to, to dig into your background. Now right. that, if you're, going to get, if you're going to get into politics, get ready for that. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to find out the one bad vote you made. Right. The one bad thing you said. Mm-hmm. The one bad thing you might have done. Yeah. And now what I'm hearing is that person or persons are listening to this podcast to see if you've heard that anything oh, I've heard it yeah I've heard it have you heard it I have heard it okay yeah to see if there's anything <laughs> they can dig out about you from this podcast yeah heard me I heard you say on your podcast yeah. <laughs> I mean I have yet to understand other than the fun we're having and the people yeah. that we interview that that might be an issue how does that affect you I mean y- you now are under I guess a, a measure of scrutiny deserved or undeserved you've not announced but people are so worried about you because you'd be such a triple threat running for Senate, serving the people of the 17th district in Southside and uh, in Virginia from Emporia East. What, how do you feel about it? Well, here's the situation. Obviously you and I as a team decided to file a lawsuit against the Commonwealth of Virginia. We talk a lot about pacematic and skill games, but ultimately what this fight about for me is, is fighting against government overreach into small business. Mm-hmm. I just, even before we even started looking at that statute, SB 971, my issue was, because I had no idea about the constitutionality of the statute, any of that, I've, I was concerned about the government picking winners and losers, as we said, and you can do this, but you can't. So I've been at the General Assembly off and on for the last three years, talking to legislators, talking to attorneys, talking to people in Richmond and otherwise small business owners across the Commonwealth of Virginia. How do we fight this battle? How do we fight this battle? How do we not allow government to overreach into small business? Because never thought that was fair. The last three years led up to what we ultimately did last June, which was file this lawsuit. Right. Which you didn't have to. Didn't have to. But so far... There was a a mouse that made you. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's another podcast. And that's later. the prior podcast, too. Um, but so far, although the fight's not over, we've had success with our lawsuit. And we've helped hundreds of small businesses all across the Commonwealth of Virginia turn their gains back on and operate and really be have them have some really uh, sources of revenue that they needed during the pandemic and these small business issues, economic challenges we're facing right. today. It's been a win-win-win for small business across Virginia. So a couple months ago, in some of my meetings and things that I've had with legislators and different people in Richmond, it was asked of me if I would consider running for the newly drawn 17th Senate District, which covers, I think, part of Portsmouth, Suffolk, Smithfield, Southampton County, Franklin, up through Emporia, Greensville County, where I live, parts of Dinwiddie, Brunswick County. Wow, you know the district. Right. Oh, and you have stores there everywhere. I've got convenience stores. Employees. Employees, customers. Been a, been a member of that community. Not only, not only retail customers at the convenience stores, but we're in the fuel business, so I have lots of customers that are in the logging business, the forestry business, farmers, construction workers. We've got customers and friends and associates mm. all across that entire... Man, if I was in that district, I'd be scared. New district. Because you know everybody. So, uh, you know, I, I was asked my opinion of whether or not I would be willing to run by a lot of my friends that I have in politics, including yourself, uh -huh. including... Some friends of mine that may or may not be former governors of the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, other senators, other delegates, mm -hmm. other people, former governors, former, former governors, uh, former speakers uh, of the house, city council yeah. members, quite a list, town managers, all those things. And what I have said, while that is flattering that people have asked that question, what I have said is, is I would like to get some type of a resolution on our ongoing litigation against the Commonwealth of Virginia before I decide and or announce whether or not that would be something that I would be interested in taking on. But you don't believe that you own the seat, deserve the seat, should get the seat, right? I, why would I, I mean, think that? I don't know. But some people do. No, and I do some, not. And, and some people, when we, when we get a little comfortable by being a legislator, I've been one for 11 years, I'm never comfortable. Yeah. I never think it's anything more than, than just an honor and a privilege. But some of those certainly believe... I operate my business... And I believe that you probably legislate, and when it comes time for you to campaign again, you you always have to act like somebody's after your ass. Always, always. And I run my business like that. Or, or somebody's got a better idea. Somebody's got a better idea. And if they got a better way to do it, then they should have. I seat. I, I treat my customers, and with, not because I've been there because I want to be called senator or delegate. As I say, my mama did not name me senator. Yeah, she got a couple other names for me, but I'm not going to go over those. But the I, uh, same way that a citizen may want to step up, a small business owner may want to step up, such as you or someone like you. That's not that's not something that you're given or you, you expect. It's something you earn. Is I it treat my business like, and my customers like, if I don't take care of my customers, somebody else is coming after them. If I don't take care of my business, somebody's coming after my business. So I would feel the same way about that. So I've just kind of been, and look, I've had some, off-the-record, behind-the-scenes conversations with some of my people that are in politics, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, former governors, former legislators. Speakers of the House. Speakers of the House, city managers, yeah. town managers, state police, sergeants, mm -hmm. sheriffs, 
police chiefs, you know, all of a sudden people started reaching out to me. Hey, I heard this. Are you are you thinking of running? Are you thinking of running? We we'd love to support you. Are you thinking of running? And I told everybody the same thing. It's flattering. Uh, I think this new 17th district needs a strong voice. And we don't have a lot of those in Southside Virginia. They're they're overcome a lot of times by Northern Virginia voices, you know, in Richmond and Hampton Roads. And we built Virginia, you've heard me say it a hundred times. Yeah. We need somebody who's going to fight, not just sit in the seat and say, call me senator. Yeah. And I think you would bring that to the table if you decided that that I've is what told, you want to do. I've just told people, I think it's important not only that if you view things the way we view them politically and how it affects business, right? the Republican Party needs to win that seat. So we need to, we whatever, will not have a majority if we don't win that seat. Whatever we need to do to win that seat, mm -hmm. we need to have the best possible candidate to win the seat, whether that would be potentially me or somebody else. But I've not made any public comment or statement or made any announcement, or anything like that. As I said, I've told everybody while these conversations are ongoing that I want to get this lawsuit resolved or kind of see where we are. I don't want the two to intersect and cross over announcing a potential political future while I have an ongoing lawsuit against the Commonwealth of Virginia. And to me, that's what makes you the right candidate if you, do, if you decide this. Here's why. Because you're not doing something so you can get somewhere else. That's right. You're not conflating issues. You're not trying to use something to, to get something. You're only going to do it if it's the right thing to do. Right. But you're going to make sure that you're settling one thing to help, help small business in order to, to do another thing to, to be on that platform to make a difference. Because you should not run for, the, for office, as I said, to get a moniker like Senator Delia. You need to run for office because when you leave there, you leave with a legacy that you made the place better. Right. That you represented, fought for them, and won for them. I just see a real need. I view things. I know we've talked several times about how we use the word chippy. Mm -hmm. The General Assembly session has been this year. Republicans and Democrats. In running my business, I've never looked at it as Republican, Democrat. I've looked at it as Southside Virginia versus Northern Virginia and Hampton Roads. Well, quite frankly, you've had to work with Roz Tyler. Roz and Tyler, yeah. You've sure, had to work with her. Sure. Well, she was the only game in town, right? She was, she was our delegate, and she was unopposed, and I dealt with her, communicated with her a lot. Because but, a lot of things are not. She may have been a Democrat. She was a Democrat. Sure. But a lot of things that affect Emporia, Greensville County, those areas that she represented. Sure. Are nonpartisan. Sure, that's right. It's about I, getting good jobs, bringing in workforce training, uh, returning populations up to the levels because we've lost them, and supporting small. As businesses. I said, I understand totally Republican and Democrat, but at, I've I, I have felt like more so recently in all the stuff I've gone through with you is that we need more fighters in South South Virginia mm -hmm. to combat Northern Virginia because there's a tremendous concentration of power, money, and yes. people in Northern Virginia trying to dictate and tell us what to do. Trying to dictate. And also Hampton Roads, right. trying to tell us how to operate our businesses in Southside Virginia, Southwest Virginia, too. your lives, taxes, uh -huh. all these other things. So we've been having those conversations, and I've been giving my opinions back. But anyway, so I got a phone call uh, late last week. Guy comes by my office who's involved in politics, not going to call names. Great guy. And he comes by and he says, man, I need to talk to you. I says, what? He said, I'm just letting you know that there are other people that have already announced or maybe soon to announce that they plan to run for this Senate seat, mm -hmm. this the newly drawn 17th district Senate seat, that they are listening to your podcast 
and writing things down and trying to find things to come after you with. I'm like, really? Yeah. He said, yeah. And they also plan to come after you about your past donations you made to politicians. I said, what are they? They said, well, one time they, they plan to come after you because you donated to this person that may be running against you in a primary if you run. I'm like, okay. I mean, if I'm running a small business, I have no desire to be in politics at the time. I'm going to support the people that can help me, you know, with ideas, thoughts, yeah. legislation, whatever the case may be. And then this person then after that said, well, they also know that last year you donated money to not only Otto Waxman, who won. Great guy, by the way. The, Great the delegate. Win. Great delegate. Awesome. In my district, but also so awesome. to Roslyn Tyler. I donated to both. And he beat, he beat Roslyn. He beat Roslyn. Uh, he lost to her the first time and won last November. He's been Beat awesome. Roslyn. So they said. Love having him in the house. Delegate. They said, this, this person said, well, they're going to come after you because if you've donated to Otto Waxman and Roslyn Tyler, you don't even understand yourself where you stand politically. So, so you gave, you gave money to her. Why? I gave money to Otto. I'll explain that first. And he supported him. I supported mm -hmm. Otto, went to his event, went to visit him election night because I truly felt that Otto had a better understanding of the climate we were in and how it was being negative, negatively impacting small business across Southside Virginia. I felt like we needed, personally, I felt like we needed a new face, a new voice, mm -hmm. a new direction for Southside Virginia. So I donated to Otto. Went to his event election night, catered his event, did all that. But you gave money to Tyler, too. I gave money to Rosalind Tyler, Democrat. also a Democrat, because not only, I mean, I may run my business and try to operate businesses in South South Virginia, but let's be honest. I have employees. I have customers. I have friends. All these people that are people of color. They're minorities. They're trying to run businesses. I have felt for the longest time that certain members members of minorities have been misled. Mm -hmm. You can call it um, brainwashed, whatever the case may be, into voting a certain way. And I don't think that these people have been helped by their government the right way. So the reason I supported or wanted to support Delegate Tyler at the same time, as well as Otto, was I felt like it was important for both candidates to get their voices out and get their messages out so that everybody had a better understanding or a true understanding exactly the direction Otto wanted to take things and what Rosalind had done for the last five, ten years. Yeah. It was not fair for me as a business owner. How dare you to want, support want everybody to be able to make an informed choice? And not help provide uh, funding for the candidate on the other side who may have different views than I had, but you know, she was, she was the, the representative been there for a of while. our delegate for a long time. Long time. And not only that, I did the same thing with signs mm -hmm. when they came to me because we own lots of properties, convenience store locations across South South Virginia. When one called me and said, Hey, can we put signs up at Sleepy and Food Mart locations? When Otto came, I said, sure. Otto, you can put signs up, but so can Roslyn. When Roslyn came to me, can we put signs up? Sure, you can, but so can Otto. So, yes, if that, you know, 
I donated in 2021 to both candidates, again, because Otto was the breath of fresh air that I thought we needed yeah. in South Side Virginia. But as a business owner who, who has customers, friends, um, fellow business owners, mm -hmm. that she needed to get her voice out in South Side Virginia as well. So if people could get, make good, informed decisions about where they wanted the, the that district of South Side Virginia to go. And back in early November, the voters spoke and Otto won and Roslyn did not. Yep. And so, but but it's not my position to tell people who they should listen to and who they should not. It's not my position to help fund one person's campaign and try to shut down another. Everybody has an equal voice and to, to get their messages out, and then the people should decide, which is what they did. My God, that used to be a free and democratic society. We are polarized in this world today. Yeah. This is an area that's so you, growing more conservative. You're a, poli you're a politician. Yeah. Is, that, is that a bad thing no, for me to do? I don't think so at all. I don't. I really don't. Okay. Because I would never try to stifle my opponents when I've had opponents. They should have the equal footing to put their message out, yeah. what their plan is, who, who am I? What do I stand for? What am I going to do? Yeah. And the same way, so that you can contrast that as Otto brilliantly did yeah. and, uh, and upended and beat a long-term incumbent like I did 11 yeah. years ago. That's important. That's, that's the fresh face of democracy. That's, that's actually term limits. But the funny part, so this guy says, and he's trying to throw questions at me to say, how are you going to answer this? Why would you do that? He said, so they think because you donated to Otto Waxman and Rosalind Tyler, that you don't know where you stand politically. Well, whoa, whoa, said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you a Republican? I am a Republican. Are you a very conservative Republican? I'm a very conservative Republican. I know you are. We, we talk about sure. this a lot. Sure. So, But they would question by one act that you do, one vote that you take. that or, or Because I felt do. it was important for the voice of the other side to get their message out so people can make informed decisions. But this guy says to me, they're going to use that against you to, to, to make the point that you don't know where you stand politically. I said, let me tell you something. Tell me one other person that last June filed a lawsuit against the sitting Democratic governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia and the sitting Democratic attorney general of the Commonwealth of Virginia because I didn't think that their ideas of big government and the taxes and regulations they had put on small business and tried to ban our games. Tell me who else sued those people while they're in office. Or had the cojones to do it. Wherewithal. I, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. So, I mean, I'm sold. You know, so it's just a... So look. So, so the process has started, even though I have not I know. publicly you're scary and made you're not any comments yeah. about whether or not I plan to seek that newly drawn 17th Senate district or not, uh, they're already writing a playbook, apparently, uh, allegedly writing a playbook to uh, to come after me. You know, if you're fearful, then you don't win. Yeah. If you're fearing something, then you're chasing something. If, you're, if you have no fear, if you have confidence, then you run out front. Just like in racing. A political race is like racing. Yeah. Because in that sense... If you think you can win every time you step into the car, whether that machine is running its top or running to the mid or running in the back. But Why you know you get you me all jazzed up about this? Because I've been trying to <laughs> screw with you for all day here today. Yeah. But I'm telling you, confidence carries success. Failure 
is easily achieved in politics once you get elected, because all you do is go up there and you say, well, you know, look at me. But, but the confidence that you have or that anybody who would run for office or think about running for office is necessary to achieve success. Yeah. You're not achieving success for, you know, Hermie Sadler's got trophies, been in NASCAR, done all this stuff. None of that matters if you run and, and then win the Senate seat in the 17th. And I, and I encourage you to do it. And I know this, we, we have more conversations maybe on this podcast. Right. But the, but the base is, the basis of what you do is the confidence that you know that not only can I win, but that I can make a difference. That I can change the world of someone's life in that district. You change that one world, that, that one child or that one person's life, you change the world. Yep. I know you have that. Uh, it's been, I'll, I'll leave it at this. I'll say one more thing, then we'll take another break. Then we're going to talk racing. Yeah. We got but, Phil Stefanelli, like in the green room. The green room is exactly four feet across from us in a, in a couch. But I, w- I will say, um, as I mentioned, I've heard from former governors, senators, delegates, the Dalai Lama, attorney generals, uh, the president city council of members, uh-huh. more importantly, law enforcement, sheriff's deputies. Right. Chief of, chiefs of police, the feedback has been very humbling and overwhelming. But I told this person, if I were to run, I would probably be a boring candidate wow. because I'm not going to let somebody run over top of me. But my campaign would be about what we have to do to strengthen Southside Virginia, regulation, less taxes, regulation, Give us a chance to build South South Virginia back up to what it once was 20, 25 years ago. It's not going to be who I'm running against. That's not of concern to me. What's of concern to me is, okay, I run these businesses. I've got 300 employees. Here are the challenges that we're facing. And these other people that, as I said before, in my opinion, that maybe have been brainwashed or maybe hadn't voted the right way or maybe haven't been taken care of in a way that they thought they were when they voted the other way all these years. My job to them is give us a chance because free enterprise, small business, if they do things to help us, we can provide more jobs, better jobs. Safer communities. Work for yourself. Yes. Don't depend on a government who has failed you this far. And so that's what my focus will be on. Not to mention, you already know, education, special education. I have a daughter with autism. A lot of other things are important to me, but we've got to build up business and industry in South South Virginia and not let the go- the government preach, brother. They, when you give them too much power, uh, they haven't proven to be able to to um, take care of the people they need to take care of in this state. Hermie, that's not boring. That's exciting. That's not old. That is fresh and new. Hermie, I'm going to be on your ass to keep working on you. To think about this, because I think you can make a difference, a huge difference. Plus, where I sit in the Senate. But my, I gave $500 to Rosalind Tyler. <laughs> I don't think that really at matters. At the same time that, that I gave $500 to Otto that, that really doesn't matter. Especially, you know, whoever runs against you, probably if they're sitting in the House of Delegates, has some really bad votes they're going have to have to answer to. But you know what? I may have an open seat. Bryce Reeves, my good friend, Senator Bryce Reeves, running for Congress, may win in the 7th. I might have an open seat at the desk in the floor of the Senate. I could park you right there. That's a deal breaker. What? Well, really? Okay. We can put you <laughs> over would, in the corner if you want. They would not let us sit together no, no, in no, any no. kind of building like that. Well, we'll just sneak it up on them. But just think, the one-two punch is Southside. 
Can you imagine? One, two punch. The thunder and the light. Can you imagine the looks the from the other side of the and building? And the kaboom. Can you imagine the looks from the other side of the building? That's what I like the best. <laughs> Look, piss them off. Make them chase us. We had Don't Stanley chase them. in here. He would never shut up. Now we got Sadler and Stanley in here. <laughs> Look, I'd probably go, hey, how are we going to piss them off today? That sounds fun to me. But it, how are we going to make a difference today? It, it, it is, it is interesting to me that um, people are listening to this podcast, allegedly, mm -hmm. and scrolling back through donations that I made yeah. to political candidates in the past. And somehow that is going to dissuade me should I decide to do this. Well, there's a picture out there on the internet of you in a teenage mutant ninja turtle outfit during Halloween. Thank you, Bill. I can provide that to anybody that wants it. You look really cute, by the way. Cute as a bud. I mean, cute as a turtle. Cute as a bud. Yeah, yeah. All right. So well, let's pose this. What, what, what other kind of um, oh, drama more. do you want to bring I up? I got a lot of crap. I mean, look, we're going to have to bring to the fore, to the forefront, all the things we talk about. We have so many things to talk about. We've got so much to talk about uh, later after this race here. We're going to take a break right now, but I'm going to write down the things I want to ask you later. But this was a good thing, and I appreciate it. When we come back, time. can we talk about the race now? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. All That's right. all I got. We'll take another break. This is Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. When we come right back, a recap of today's Smart Modified Tool race and a preview of races coming up at Caraway and South Boston. What, Phil Bill? Stefanelli. 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 No? He's he's from Jersey, right? Jersey? He's a Yankee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We got him. We got Jonathan Brown. We got all the crew sitting out here as we're, we're getting ready you to cook, cook a tenderloin. I know. I'm cooking a tenderloin. I got to run out. Now you're going to interview him. Actually, I'm going to let you do it by yourself if you have to because uh, I got to cook for the team. But we've got a lot to talk about. Man, the smart tour is unbelievable. On fire. Go, go, go we got a great on, team. Go check on your meat and then come back in and we're going to get this next segment done so we can all eat together. You can come out and check my meat too. Leaning right and turning left with, with Sadler, Sadler and the Senator. Senator. Powered by Pace, Pace Matt. We'll be right back. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance yet. We never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance, super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes, and you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com.
Hey, this is Bill Stanley, Hermie Sadler's sidekick on this podcast. But when I'm not in Richmond at the Capitol or doing this podcast, my real job for the past 27 years is as a trial attorney with the Stanley Law Group. Here at the Stanley Law Group, we represent our clients in every courthouse in the Commonwealth. No problem is too small for us to solve. No case is too big for us to win. Whether it's criminal charges, traffic offenses, civil disputes, litigation matters of any sort, we handle it all. We make sure we treat every client like family because they are to us. Your problem is our problem. Your success is our success because we hate to lose more than we love to win. And believe me, we win a lot. Don't believe me? Go ask Hermie. I'm his favorite lawyer. Give us a call at 540-721-6028 and let us help you. Or visit our website at www.vastanleylawgroup.com. At the Stanley Law Group, we'll make sure that we are the lawyers that you swear by and not at. Final segment. Mm. Save the best for last. We did. We finally have got the band together. The for band. a segment of leaning right and turning left with the Sadler, Sadler and, and the Senator, Senator, powered by Pace, Pace Matt. You want to introduce our guest? No, you do it. Because I'm going to mispronounce one no, of their names. No, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. You do it. You do it. Why do you want me to do it when you can do it? Laura? Just do it. Would you do it? No. She won't do it either. <laughs> She's cooking. You already yeah, told me yes, that. Yes, she won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. We are joined, and we're honored to have. In the SLG Consulting Motor Coach here at Southern National Motor Park, Motorsports Park. We're on site. Mm-hmm. Usually we have this podcast in the Stanley Law Group skyscraper, high above the Stanley Law Group law offices. Overlooking the Commonwealth's capital in Richmond, Virginia. They're looking at us like, what the hell are y'all talking mm-hmm. about? I know. They want to go home. Our team manager, Phil Stefanelli with PSR Products. Stefanelli. That's what I said. No, I, I'm, I'm asking you. I call him Stefanelli. Sounds more masculine. Stefanelli. I'll let him correct Sounds you a little in a more moment. feminine. And our driver, John Boy, Jonathan Brown. I don't know that he likes that nickname. You like that nickname? I don't care. I'm good either way. He said he'd been in 100 fights, so I want to make sure I call you the right thing. <laughs> what would you like for me to call you, sir? Whatever you would a like. Gazelle. <laughs> a gazelle. <laughs> Welcome to Y'all just don't know, after all the years of racing and working Saturday nights all over the country, you have finally made it to the podcast, Leaning Right. It took y'all 20 years left. to become Overnight Sensations. Yes. Congratulations. Well, thank you. No, no. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, now, first I want to say this one thing. The setup for this relationship that we now have is that we've been fighting for small businesses. We love racing. Hermie and I are great friends. We're besties. Um, I talked to him one night in, uh, in Wintergreen, Virginia. After a... A bottle and a half of Crown Royal. A couple cocktails. A couple of other kind of shots and fireball and mm. something else. Yeah, and a mouse. And a, we were trying to Catch trap a mouse with a colander. And, okay. and a pot. Yeah. But then we decided, you know what? We could take this message. We can do what we're going to do. Let's get into racing. And so I, told, I talked him into running a car at Motor Mile. And he said, I've got this guy. And he said Phil Stefanelli. But I guess it's Stefanelli. He said, I, I think we can get a year rental. We did it through Chris Williams. And we and, and what it did was we got him in there. It was hard to wedge, wedge him <laughs> into the car. But that night, the itch got it. It started getting scratched again. He was back in racing. We had a great night. You did a great job. We had a great time. And then we decided as friends, 
hey, let's see if we can take this to the next level. And so we made arrangements with a sponsor, a couple sponsors, and 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 we made this kind of dream that we had talked about, things that we could do, especially open wheel modified racing in the short tracks, the historic tr short tracks, the best kind of racing there is in all of Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. And we put something together uh, and two things happened. He said, Bill, I'm not going to write the front of the checks. I'm going to write the back of the checks. And so we made sure that financially we made it work. But then two things happened. He said, I want Phil to run it, which was a great management decision, I think, on his part. Very much so. But then Chris was, so he goes, so so this is the management part of, of my boy over here, Herm. So, oh, Bill, we got, I'm, I made a list without of, trying to do the stupid sounding, sounding accent? You're okay, let me do it without it. Bill, we got, I got a list of four drivers we're going to interview. And then we'll, we'll pick from them. Once we interview them, we're going to pick one. I said, okay. And then Chris Williams, and one on the list was the man, Jonathan Brown. Number one on the list. Yeah, I think, I don't know if we ordered them, but, oh, but he was, he was on. Him. Who would you pick? So actually, I, I did never actually talked to anybody else other than Jonathan. Well, right. yeah, because Chris Williams called up and said he was getting ready to sign with somebody else. No. So I called you up no. and said, you better get on the phone and sign him. And we signed him that night. He called back and said, we got you. But this goes back. And I wrote a very I, generous contract for you as a lawyer, yes. Jonathan. So you're First welcome. time I met him, going back to Motor Mile, when I was going to yeah. see if I could get in the car yeah. and run a few laps at Motor Mile. When I pulled up, I had Haley with me. So traveling with Haley. Your daughter. My daughter. We make frequent stops. So sometimes a full-hour trip takes five and a half hours. By the time I got there, my car is riding around the track <laughs> when I get there. And I'm like, well, damn. I've been fired before I ever get going. <laughs> but That happened a lot in NASCAR, didn't Phil it? Took, yes. Yeah. Took uh, Jonathan up to the racetrack to shake the car down before I got there. And we met and talked, and and uh, he was very kind and accommodating. And you could tell, you know, he uh, loved being at the racetrack, even though he was driving a race car that somebody else was going to drive. Well, I heard he he had some good laps, lap times, that you were trying to beat when you got in the car. Is that true? Uh, I was just uh, trying to keep it between the fences. Yeah. Actually. Phil, is that true? That's true. True what? Time. True. He's trying Time. to keep it in the fences or? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I heard he had great lap times. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Say hi, John. Hello. So I, <laughs> Let the I guy thought, talk, any? Yeah, I, <laughs> no. I thought you did great, Hermie. First time out, I, in a modified especially, I thought you did really good. I mean, you run within a couple of tenths of what I run. So yep. I thought that was pretty good. I, and look, I, those things are still are. You know, get, getting through the corner, to me, was the easy part. Driving down the straightaway with that duping that thing does on the straightaway because all the staff you run in these cars yeah. takes a little bit of getting used to. So we started at SS Racing. Right. Sadler Stan Stanley Racing. You like to call it Stanley Sadler Racing. Uh, well, I, I'd like to have my name in front of something somewhere. Sadler in this, you know, Senator. But yeah, so we started that race team. Picked a great driver. Have a great on-site manager, pit crew, engineer, extraordinaire. I hate saying this about you. That's, that's really nice. I wish it was televised so you could see your uh, face expressions when you're telling me that. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. It hurts. So here we have started a race team. First time out, Florence. What happens? We, Take your time. I am. It's a podcast. I'm thinking. <laughs> 
we've made a lot of laps since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. top five. Yep. top five. Yep. Hell, we all went down First actually to out. your shop. Yep. We all met. I thought it was really great. Yeah, uh, we need to do that again too. Jonathan yeah. has yep. a great crew that that and and friends that follow him. You have a great uh, staff that have done great things. What did you do? I mean, Hermie comes to you. We've got this thing. We're sponsored up. What did you do for SSR Racing? We basically put take on. your time. By I am. Way. I mean, this is a podcast. <laughs> people, are. people have lives, so well, I they want to listen, but they want to go on and do something. He's being way. methodical with That's his fine. answers. You're messing me up. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we basically put a whole team together from zero, from nothing, from pieces of tubing. Um, Built a car from the ground up, right? From the ground up. So, and basically three of them. So, three. Wait, 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 three. Three cars. I thought we were paying for two. Is this the third had, one's free? I told him about the third one. Yeah. Okay. Third well, one? guess what? We have a third car. We do? Yes. <laughs> we're going to have to have a corporate meeting on this. Just for you. Right. And we are right now yeah, right. a corporate meeting. Can't wait to see you try to get your fat ass in there, Stan. <laughs> no, it's no. all about I'm you. Not, I'm not going to embarrass myself like you do. So. <laughs> oh, I get to embarrass myself for the good of the team. You don't. <laughs> There's some things you I do imagine. for the. Yeah. You know, and people have no idea. Phil and I have talked about this before. From where we started, started talking in like November, didn't really do anything until mid late December. Right. Once we knew where we stood with Pacematic and putting all this together. So to start from a piece of paper and build a race team, put a team around it, get your driver, build cars, go test, do all that, to get ready to go in this type of racing. And look, we're right here. The race just ended here at Southern National Motorsports Park. 26, 27 cars here, 10, 12 cars legitimately could win a race here. Mm -hmm. And to do all that and for us to come and be this competitive out of the chute, we get a top five at Florence. We come here today, we sit on the pole. And so the speed is there, the team is there, and we'll continue to build that camaraderie and communication and learn the cars and, and those kind of things. I, th I think the start we've gotten off to has been, has been exceptional. And Phil, what do you do? I mean, at PSR, what do you do? What, what's your job? What do you do on, the, on a daily basis? Tell our audience. Um, we machine parts for racing industry. We build chassis. Um, and we set cars up. <laughs> I mean, that's you basic. make it so exciting. But your most important, job <laughs> My is most important job is to make sure the S and S racing is on the track and competitive. So uh, that's my full-time job. How long have you done this? Uh, my whole life. Really? Yeah. I mean, I know farm. you have your shop right there at your house, at your yeah. farm. Right. All right. You've done that a long time. How many employees do you By have? By the way, I need to talk to the county assessor down in, in Midland, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. How can anybody have a race shop on the same premises as their house? I need to look at the tax values of your estate down in. They wouldn't let me get by with anything like that in Emporia. Sound like a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. You need a lawyer? I don't know. I you may. Possibly. After what he just said. By the end of this podcast. <laughs> so, Should so we strike that from the record? So you've always <laughs> been in racing all your life. Have you Have you I, raced cars? I've never raced it. I My enjoyment is building them and watching them go fast. So how'd you become like an engineer for racing? I mean, you know, in your life as a child, you just looked at this and said, this is what I want to do? Was that in your family? Is this something new? You know, actually my brother is a lawyer and my young, I have two <laughs> brothers and my younger brother is uh, just in a business field. They have no mechanical so what, aspects what, wait, at wait, all. Wait, Phil, what, at what point did you say, this is what I want to do? How old were you? 
Never got in a car. 10, 12, you know, right out of high school. Did you school. go to college, get an engineering degree? Or? Yeah, right out of high school, I started my own business and no, started building shit. engines. And Who taught you? <laughs> Self-taught, believe it or not. Self-taught. Wow. Yeah. It was There was mentors on the way from, I was in a NASCAR field for, for a while building oiling systems. For NASCAR? For NASCARs. Oil pans, valve covers, that sort of thing. Uh, believe for it or for not, all the for all the top drivers, all the top teams, like uh, who? Uh, Hendrick, uh, Roush Yates, Gibbs, all those guys. Wow. Yeah. And then just and then at some point you just well, uh, what happened was NASCAR took a turn to they manufactured everything in house, mm-hmm. so the industry really went else. So I started doing my own thing. In what series do you make parts, make engineer parts? Uh, really now. short track stuff now. Uh, super late models, modifieds, uh, some stuff in NASCAR, but very little. Hmm. And your shop's impressive. I mean, you have Haas machine, precision machinery. Yeah. You've got people in there working. You're making parts every day. Right. Every you must day. be selling them. Yep. You sell them on eBay? No, just uh, <laughs> eBay. <laughs> If that's what it takes. Yetzi. Whatever it takes. Yetzi. I mean, Yetzi. Little Amazon action. No? No. All right. So so you have specific purchasers. Specific purchasers. Wholesale stuff. And then then PSR products sells to the public. Okay. So that's how uh, we got to do that. And meeting Jonathan through the industry. And it's kind of weird on how we just all came about. I am now seeing the calming influence of SS racing. I mean, you are just level, which is not normal. Somebody has to be level. Uh, clearly, whole, clearly. Whole crew here. Now, where are you from? I'm from Jersey. What part of Jersey? South Jersey. About 20 miles. He, he, he does no that thing as South, South Jersey. Up like, is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah. South Jersey. Yeah, we go to problem. Hey, you know. All right. All right. So we, we have a little dialect uh, game that we play. Can we introduce our driver? We yeah, don't yeah, no, 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 because we're going to spend the rest of the time because he's, you know, he's about spent. We've got about <laughs> enough that we're going to get out. Um, okay. So I'm going to give you a phrase. All right. 10 minutes to eat. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. My you. wife came in here and gave us 10 minutes. See, I understand so, her sign language better than you do. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Can you can you interpret it for me? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to tell you right now a word. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a phrase. All right. Okay. I want you to say it. I'm going to say it. Then I'm going to have Hermie say it. Okay. And then we're going to, we're going to dissect the dialect. Okay. Is that right? That's fine. Say, what's up, dickhead? What's up, dickhead? Hermie? What's up, dickhead? How long How long did that take compared to yours? That took, like, but twice you guys, as... You guys in Jersey love saying the word dickhead. Dickhead. Right? Now, tell me why you say dickhead. What do you mean? I said it because you told me to say it. Okay. So, Oh, so you said it naturally and normally. That's how the... You asked me to say, it. what's up, dickhead? And that's right. what I said. How do you say the word pen? How do you say the word pen? Like a writing utensil? Yes. Pen. <laughs> I love it. All right. I may figure out another phrase or word. We'll come back to you. Thanks, Phil. You've been exciting. You, you've just taken it to another All level. All fire. Now, Herm, let's talk about our driver. Let's talk about this guy. The guy that's been escorted away from a car, <laughs> trying to take one of the Myers brothers out or teach him a lesson. By two cops. If you go on our website, uh, SadlerStanleyRacing.com, you can see those pictures. This guy's like a legend, and he now drives for us. 
Jonathan Brown. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Um, and by the way, you keep talking. I'm going to go check on my meat out on the grill. All of that may be true about the police and all that, but I hired him because, and I'll be perfectly honest, we've never even had this conversation. My only interaction with you was what we had at Motor Mile. But one thing that I looked back and saw, and we didn't have a whole lot of time to make decisions. I looked back last year in the Smart Modified Tour, and I believe I'm right in saying you won two races in two different cars. Yes. That's, that, to me, says a lot about a driver's ability to elevate equipment to give us a chance to win. So when I look at what I saw at Motor Mile that day, look at the simple fact that this guy won two races in this series, two different tracks, two different drivers, or two different teams, all that. So that um, kind of set things in motion uh, in yeah. your, your, your accomplishments and your record and all that speaks for itself. But give us some indicate, give us some idea. And all this happened like a whirlwind kind of a thing. So what was going on in your mind as we started talking about Sadler Stanley racing you know, back uh, last, you know, last December, I was dealing with things on my end with Bill lawsuits and sponsors and things, and you're doing your deal. So, how on from your perspective, how how did all this come about? Right. So, a little bit of back history. So, I started. Uh, I got a late starting racing. I never really raced till I was 15, and uh, you know, I grew yeah, up. For people that are listening, they that that makes surprise people when you say i didn't start till i was 15 but in racing terms most people most kids that start lifers they start seven eight nine years old on a go-kart yeah, or something yeah. right so yeah i didn't so what's the first thing you drove so the first thing i drove was a street stock cart bowman gray mm -hmm. and uh so i actually wasn't even old enough we kind of fudged the paperwork and uh you worked in the gray area yeah gray area there's a lot of gray area there mm -hmm. so started at 15 years old there run a handful of races and then uh my little brother got into racing go-karts and I went and bought myself a go-kart. So I used to carry my go-kart on top of my 92 Honda Civic to the go-kart track and, you know, just try kind of trial and error and uh, kick their butt mm -hmm. and win enough money to go race the next day. Yeah. And so I would race Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. A lot of weeks I would race go-karts Friday night, Bowman Gray Saturday, and then find a go-kart race Sunday, mm -hmm. wherever the money was. Um, so everything I've done has kind of been trial and error. Um, kind of keep things simple i kind of you know always try to keep my box broad um when i say that like make the car to where i can hustle it that's mm -hmm. what i've always done because i've never had anybody like feel to really fine tune it no engineer no crew chief uh i think 2018 was really the first time i've ever had a crew chief uh so always just kind of learn to work with what i have had uh, everybody's always told me, you know, if you had the sponsors, if you had the back and if you had the crew, you could go far. And I've had the opportunities to drive a truck and test a nationwide car once, things like that. It just never panned out. Uh, not bragging, but I was always the fastest driver with the least amount of money to bring. Um, I come from a poor family. Uh, I guess you could say self-made. I started my business when I was 17 years old, still going today. Um, it's just small, five employees, myself. Um, I keep my life simple, have time to race. Um, but so to get the call to work with Phil, 
to come up to Motor Mile with you guys was a big opportunity for I me. I, I didn't even know you were going to be there. He, right. Which was fine, but he we had never. Right. So how, what, how did that happen? So I knew that you never got into a modified. And, it was a and you didn't think I was going to even be able to get in it. You were concerned about that, probably. Well, I haven't seen you in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know. So, so Chris Williams, uh, I called him and I said, you know, we have to test. We just can't put Hermie in it and, and wish for the best. So Jonathan and me have been, were talking for a while to put him in something that I own to race. Yep. And it just, it never panned out. It was just always, he had something going on and I had something going on. So finally I, I just called him. I said, Hey, what are you doing this day? Come to motor mile real quick and shake our car down. Cause Hermie Sadler is going to drive it at motor mile. I think it'll be great for the, for the smart tour. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just, okay. He took off of work that day, met us there and shook the car down before you got in yep. because I didn't want you not knowing how is something supposed to feel. Yep. And when you came, you met him and he was in it actually taking laps in it. I pull up trying to get in there to drive my car and meow, right. meow, like, damn, Stefanelli guy's getting in there pretty good. <laughs> so, and then. Oh, um, oh, Chris Williams, I figured Chris he would have finagled well, his way in. Well, but I wanted somebody like Jonathan there to kind of tell you how to drive this thing. Right, right, right. Because you're used to. Which you drive totally different than anything I ever drove. Correct. So I thought it was it was easy for you to get just in a swing real yeah, quick, yeah, which yeah. you did. So and then here we are today. Yeah. Um. So, when did y'all start talking about our potential deal for this year? Well, <clears throat> when you first approached me and asked me to see what it was going to take. I sent that to you first. And then after the second time you said, yeah, you think it's going to happen. I reached out to Jonathan. I said, Hey, listen, your name, I put first of all to drive. I think it's a great opportunity for everybody, especially Jonathan. And, uh, he says, yeah, I'm kind of interested. And that got the ball rolling. And then finally, when me and you did our thing, mm -hmm. I called him right away and I said, listen, I think it's, it's definitely going to happen for somebody but it would be great for you. Mm -hmm. And that's when you guys start talking. Yeah. It's a, uh, we're honored to have you. I mean, the story that you told, which I didn't know a lot about for this series, for this type of racing, the kind of company that Pacematic is, the things they do for small business and those kind of people is a perfect, perfect fit scenario. Uh, one other driver we discussed briefly was won't call names, but was a kind of a rookie younger guy and i think i remember telling phil on the phone one day is like you know for the for this business and we're talking about skill games and we're talking about you know adults doing things like this i said we need need somebody with a little age and experience that we can you know when we're going to convenience stores for meetings and and promoting our brand and it we need we need we need somebody that fits that to kind of fit and so uh that was a great start and i got to even though i wasn't there at the first race at florence michael pace and a lot of the pace people from top down were there and they just raved about both of you guys because you know the funniest thing about this all you know how it all came together but new jersey virginia north carolina pace 
Senator Stanley, I mean, like a year ago, none of us probably knew who each other were, but never spoken to each other. Right. And all of a sudden, here we are, two races in to, you know, our season uh, with, you know, hopefully a long time, you know, to go. And to me, sometimes just things happen, fate happens. Um, and the way th the way this thing has worked out, I wanted, obviously, to do this. We're, we're the platform we're using this for through Pacematic, but I didn't have the time to deal with all the day-to-day -day part of a race team. Y'all are good together because, although Phil's in charge, I know that Jonathan, you're still involved and like to be at the shop and have your hands on what's going on, even right. though it's not you're a car per se. You're, but you want to be there and do all that too, and you got to have that at this level of racing. So. How has the transition been for you? So that that part has been tough. Uh, I'm not going to say tough. It's hard for me. We, Phil and I just talked about this earlier. So I'm used to doing everything. Like mm -hmm. I said, I never had a crew chief till 2018. Hard to let go and let other people it, do it stuff. It is hard. Yeah. So, you know, there's been times where I wish I was nothing but a driver and I didn't know anything about the car. Mm -hmm. Because it's so hard for me to transition from being the tire guy, the crew chief, the driver, make sure the gas is in the thing, do it all to just driving it, mm -hmm. you know, relaying, you know, giving feedback of what the thing's doing is tough. Uh, going to Florence and coming to Southern National Day is the first time I've ever, or the first two times I've ever been the racetrack and not had to lay on the ground and do something. Right. You know, I literally, I'm out of the car and everything's done. I literally just have to uh, convey information, you know, so, uh, or give them feedback. Um, it's a transition, but obviously I think it's going pretty good. Yep. Um, we had a good run at Florence. Uh, we had a good run today. We had a fast car. We showed that in qualifying. and we Qualified on the pole, by the way. We said that earlier. But, got, yep. you know, two races in, you get a top five, and you come back and get a pole in race two. I know you you guys um, uh, gambled on the strategy to, to to save the tires for the end. And if, if you get the caution, you're golden. If you do, look, that's just – Nothing wrong with, you know, taking a chance. We probably weren't going to win without trying that strategy. We probably had a third, fourth, fifth place car, you know. Uh, it, this racing, it, like my brother, you met, met Elliot the first time today. So we go up in the stands and watching, and we're watching the first, like, 50, 60 laps, and it's befuddling to us that it's kind of like you're riding around under, like, yeah, the right. caution's out right. until it's time to go. Right. And that's a big part of oh, yeah. That's the strategy. What strategy. you have to have right. to yeah. now, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I understand what we're having to do, but I'm thinking to myself, I've got to talk to Chris Williams or talk to somebody. The tire, we got to figure out a way that we can go to a racetrack and put you guys in these cars and turn them loose. Right, yeah. race. And so, right. I, you know, it's just not, you know, I understand if you're at Talladega and Daytona, that's what we always did. Right. Ride around and dodge the wrecks and try to be there at the end. But in this type of race, in a 99-lap open-wheel modified race at Southern National Motorsports Park, ought to be when you drop the rag, balls to the walls until lap 99. Right. Right. So to me, and this whole thing is a work in progress, obviously. We're all pleased at what Chris is doing and what he's trying to build. And we're not going to solve all our problems at one time, but we need to try to. And a lot of it has to do with the racetrack, I know. But we've got to try to find a way that these fans know when you drop the green flag of these races that that you're going to race so how difficult running. is right. that because i saw you trying to do the same thing you 
pull off the bottom of the racetrack on a three-eighths mile track that you need to hook the bottom yep. to win, and you're pulling up to let people get by. Yep. Right. So that, that's got to be a so, that's got to be a challenge as well. As a driver, come to these tracks that are wore out. You know, obviously tire management's big. It's tough to ride around like that. Yeah. I think we were like what a second and a half off the pace. Yeah. Uh, everybody just trying to maintain whatever tire they could. So it's tough, especially obviously we see on the poles. So it's tough to have a car the fastest car here today, but ride, let people pass you. Uh, but kind of that strategy is have more tire than they have at the end. Let mm -hmm. them run away, let them be a rabbit well, run off. I don't want to call a number, but like, so Elliot and I were trying to figure the race out. One car took off today, half a straightaway lead. I said, Elliot, I bet you before we get to lap 60, that car will be lapped. And he was. Right. He lapped twice. You know, so, right. but he was so loose, but he good out there right. for a while. But that, and that's, again, Racing a NASCAR car at Talladega in Daytona is about survival. These races, 99 laps, open wheel modifiers on short tracks, ought to be about busting ass. It should be. It should be. And so, you know, maybe they would, maybe we'll get to tracks that that tires won't be as much of an issue. But it's also maybe there's some things to do. And Phil, you would know more about this, the technical side of it. How do we better match up the tire and the compound and things of that nature? To get us where well, we can can race. I'll tell you a little story. A couple of years ago, the modified called the microphone. I got speak it. I can hear myself. I know, but that doesn't mean everybody else can. So, <laughs> we came here two years ago, uh, a different series, open modified, but we had a harder tire compound, which we can go. Yeah. You know, uh, we run twenties and thirties right now. We had thirties and four fifties, which is a hard tire, and they never gave up. And we had some good racing, but you know that's all tires. So why why are we running a softer tire now in this series? I mean, is is there a reason why? I, I don't I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Right. I know when they run that harder tire, you've seen the guys that really was driving the cars hard, uh, running up front and winning every week. Yeah. Uh, once they went to this softer tire, those guys kind of mid pack, and the other guys kind of come back up. Have, have any of you guys gone to Chris Williams and had a discussion about tires with him? I have not. Built. I mean, the competitors, I'm not saying he, you know, just like running, like my dad tells me all the time, running a business, we got about 300 employees. He's like, if you let your employees tell you what to do every day, you'll be in the street right. in a hurry. Right. So I know Chris can't let the competitors run the series, but it, it seems like maybe there should be some dialogue about how to, I, I'm just saying, this type of racing, although you guys have been around it, and I know Bowman Gray is hot and you draw, but this racing is new to me. Right. It's new to my brother. It's new to a lot of people in this part of the country. And I would think you would want to have it set up to where when somebody comes to watch y'all race for the first time, that when you drop the green flag, you're screaming. That's right. For those 99 laps. And as a driver, you know, it's way more fun to get out there and go, sure, you know, sure. showcase what you Let have. Let it be more about exactly. Who's got the best car and the best driver and the best strategy that race? Not who can save the That's best right. and you know that those kind so of. So there's only about two tracks that I think we'll go to this year where you can really run hard: South Boston, Dominion. Right. I think those are the only two that really are have good pavement. I was thinking about South Boston, but for the old fat guy like me, I need a track like the one today. I can ride around with the flashers <laughs> right. on for 60 oh, and, laps. And, and, go. and Motor Mile. You can run pretty hard at Motor Mile. Right. You have to save a little bit, but everybody runs pretty hard there. So yeah. you're about Probably all in the same boat. Tire, but if you go to a little bit harder tire, 
you can run a lot more tracks right. a lot harder. Right. I'm just curious, and I'll 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 get Senator Stanley to you know ask. I mean, I, I I'd like to know just from a from a curiosity standpoint, you know, what can we do? Yeah, I know it probably takes a different setup and different shock packages and things of that nature, but people in the stands are not going to see if, if the cars qualified three tenths of a second slower, they're not going to see that, but they can certainly see like today's race when it started, the games that had to be played. Right. It Nobody matched it wide open. Yeah. For us, it's a boring race. Yeah. Really, and for the fan, if you don't see dicing out in front or yep. you know, whatever you're doing, I mean, what is that? But th- this, this type of racing ought to, ought to be exciting. exciting and people flock to the grandstand. So it, it's, a, it's a work in progress, but we need to, to learn more about that. Okay, so with two races in, we got a poll. Uh, today we got a top five at Florence a couple of weeks ago. What are the realistic expectations of our team? We're going to win. That and we should be top five material every, every race. We yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and going for the polls. Yep. You know, this is only mine and Jonathan's second race together, really, to learn each other. I'm learning him. He's learning us. I think we're just going to get better and better and better every time we go out, especially when we test. Um, he does different things when he races his car. Uh, we do different things. We have technology now at the shop that can really dial us in. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just over here practice for us right now. I mean, yeah. we can't wait to go back to tracks that, like Caraway next week. All right, so probably one of the worst things that I did in the majority of my career, because I can write a book on the things that I should have done differently, I would have taken advantage of some opportunities more so, but one of the worst habits that I got into was having a negative attitude on a racetrack based on my history past experience past experience we like uh, i'm gonna be terrible at so-and-so i'm gonna yep. be terrible at so-and-so now i went to martinsville i was like i'm gonna be good at martinsville do you have a track outside of bowman gray that you race all the time but on this circuit do you have a, a track that's marked on your list to say when we get to that track it's over well obviously i know my way around more places or some places better than others but at the end of the day they're all two straightaways and four corners um so one of the big things with, with working with PSR is, obviously I have technology I'm not used to. So you talked about me winning those two races last year. I won both of those races in old basic equipment. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've always, you know, I talked about my window being big, you know, of how I set my cars up and the way I've done things. Uh, and Phil has the technology to uh, really fine tune that stuff to where I don't. So uh, And the personality. And definitely has a personality. So uh, he's so loud and you know, obnoxious. There, there's tracks I'm definitely looking forward to going to. Uh, there's five tracks that we raced this year I've never been to. The first two we we've just went, we raced that I've never been to. Uh, and obviously we showed up here and adapted pretty quick. Caraway next week I've won at Caraway. Um, a lot of I've been there in the late model on the truck and modifieds and a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm looking forward to Caraway. We're, we're both looking forward to Caraway. We've tested there, and we, we feel really good about the car. Uh, South Boston, I've never been there, but that's a track. A lot of momentum, uh, lots of grip. There's not going to be a whole lot of riding around. Everybody's going to have to get after it. Uh, Phil's got a good setup for there already. I feel you know, very good about that. Franklin County, I've been to. Uh, run good there. Feel good about that. 
And we have a big break. And we have a big break. Right. Yeah. So you ought to go visit Bowman Gray and fight. Bowman Gray and fight and all yeah. that fun stuff. You um, are so exciting, by the way, Phil. I mean, you are just electric. Electric. I, I mean, when you say I something, I mean, Bowman everybody Gray. listens. I love it. Because the EF Hood got the presence. We have a break. So, uh, are, but I'm, are you the calming influence in this team? Is that um, what it is? Most of the time. Today, I kind of got a little. Oh, did you? So, here's the thing. We're, we're, the thing about what I like about feeling these guys is they are just as passionate as me. Uh, I've had to do things different. Like I said, I've always pretty much raced out of my pocket. Uh, I've raced two-thirds of the season last year out of my pocket. I've always been uh, always fast but never satisfied mm -hmm. um, and doing it on a shoestring budget. Uh, those few races, like I said, we won last year, old equipment. Now we don't have, you know, I've got better stuff. Uh, I lost where I was going all this. But anyway, uh, we're both passionate. We're passionate. We're very passionate. So obviously we win passionate. together. I'm very passionate. We lose together. Uh, I, I don't want to run fifth. You know, last week yeah. we were riding there at Florence. We are riding around eighth, ninth, tenth you know, quarter throttle. And I'm like, man, I hate racing like this. Like, absolutely hate it. Like, I want to get after it. Let's go and run. But like we said, the tractors are worn out. But uh, we end up bringing home a top five, which is great. But we want to win. If I finish second, I'm usually mad about it. Mm -hmm. um, and feels the same way. He wants to win. So today, uh, I'm not even sure if you know what all went on during the race, but we had a right front tire. We just, it's very rare, but sometimes you get a bad tire. And I'm not sure if y'all could see the tire shaking like it was. No. Uh, so one side of our tire was wore out, no holes left. And the other side was dang near new. Um, there around lap 25, it just picked up a really bad vibration. And that was, that was our day. It didn't matter when we pitted, unless we changed that tire, the results would have been the same. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have days like that, but, uh, what's going to kind of define us is us coming back from that. You know, we're not, we're not going to be a car that shows up and finishes 10th every week. We're going to be in contention to win. We're always going to be fast. Uh, and I'm like Phil. Even if I go win the race, I'm going to find more speed. I'm not satisfied with that. So I like that about Phil. I really think y'all make a, a good team. You know, y'all got the experience that you bring and some of the ways that you've had to find ways to manufacture things. All those, I mean, that those types of stories is really what makes this whole thing, you know, satisfying for me. You know, but not only that, the fan base. Right. You have people that just really yeah. admire, love you, come out to watch you race. Right. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yep. I mean, is I mean, is that for you what motivates you? That's a lot of it. So, I don't. Nobody at this table knows this, but so I was in a really, I was in a pretty bad spot beginning of last season. You know, we'd had that year off because of COVID. I think I raced five times in twenty uh, twenty, and I just. I'm not going to say I lost interest because I'm a very competitive person no matter what I'm doing, but I was kind of like, you know what? I've spent 18 weeks out of my year at a racetrack minimum away from my kids, away from my family. Uh, I guess I saw there was more to life than, than that. So I was really questioning even going back to Bowman Gray um, or running any tour races or anything. And I prayed about it a lot, uh, talked to a lot of people about it, getting advice guys that's been racing forever kind of like you you know just raced your yeah. whole life and and a lot of them is like you know 
you're, you're kind of in your golden years. You know, you're in your 30s. You're, you're going to do your best right now. But at the same time, you've got young kids. Don't let that pass you by. So I prayed a, a lot about it, and I had pretty much planned on just not racing last year at all. And uh, literally two weeks before the opener at Bowman Gray, my crew guys called me to the shop. Well, actually, I went up there to work on my Harley, and uh, they pulled me to the side and said, listen, so I need two things from you. I said, what's that? They said, uh, I need you to drive the race car. All I want you to do is show up and drive it, and I need you to pay for it. <laughs> That's all I need. We'll, we'll have it there. Yeah. We'll do the whole nine. So uh, we, we had all kinds of hurdles. Uh, put the whole deal together in two weeks, grabbed a couple sponsors, showed up and won the biggest race this season in 200. We started la last because we missed qualifying because we was changing the engine. Won the race, run good all season, contention to win the championship, won the last race of the season, went and won two tour races. And I tell you all that to tell you this, that God has a plan. Yeah, amen. He put us all at this table together. Mm -hmm. He put all this together for us. Uh, I had about 95% give up on racing more than a handful of times a season until this all come together. And it all come together because I'll tell you how it all come together. I had a man, I walked out of church on a Sunday. This guy walked up to me I'd never seen. Talked to me about racing a little bit. And he said, man, I just think it's so cool that you, you know, you go to the racetrack on Saturday and then you walk in here Sunday and you give all the glory to God. I kind of took that like that's my sign to use my platform to tell more people about God. Mm -hmm. And it just blessed me so much last year. You know, we won we won four races, the two biggest ones at Bowman Gray, two tour races out of four starts. Um, and it all it put us all together. That all happened last year. And here we are. We've already had success and you know, just our second run together. And it's a snowball. It's going to get bigger and better as we go. I look forward to it. The Lord has a plan. Exactly. Yeah. So there is. Really, everything that's happened, and I've said this early today, and I've said it really since December, the last time you and I went in court together, um, when things really went into high gear, it's like all these things that have happened, it's just it just doesn't happen this way no. in everyday life. There's it, a purpose. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't. It's a purpose. It's, it's, it's a divine plan. All the for sure. chain links have just you know come together. Right. And now we get to have a little fun, which is you know which is the, you know, the, the best well, part of it all. Talking about fun, Senator Stanley, he's kind of like just low key. He doesn't really have too much fun. Me? Yeah. What's up? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm I'm a guy that lives in misery. I feel like it's purgatory. That's what God's put me here to deal with you, Phil. That's, That's fine. so. But what, I'll, I'll tell you what. Stefanelli, but I'll tell you what, you are an incredible ambassador, not just for SS racing, but for what you're doing on the track. I see when people come up and talk to you, you make a difference. And that's important. And that's what that's what Hermie and I always talk about, making a difference, doing something different, really enlightening somebody's life, even if you only have a moment to give it to them. Right. And so you're just for Pacematic, for SS racing. Um, and I think I think you're putting a little Jesus in Phil Stefanelli. I think he needs a little more Jesus, but I think we all have this purpose here that is not just yeah. racing, not winning. Well, it is winning, but, yeah, win. but at the same time, creating a message that we carry to the people, protecting these short tracks, protecting this type of racing, 
protecting this type of people that make a business out of this type of racing, doing the good work because this is the grassroots. This is the right, right. stuff. And so I'm so proud just to have you on our team. Yep. Look, I this mean, is a it offsets Hermie really well. Yeah. <laughs> this is this has been fun. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up this time, but we certainly are gonna have you guys on again. We're gonna feed the team. We're gonna feed the team here for a little little team dinner here, and then we'll have you guys back on as we get later into the season. Throughout the season. And um and you know and Phil and Phil, amp it up a little bit. All right. Uh, elevate. I'll try to do I mean Kenny. Okay. That's great. <laughs> but great to have you guys on. Phil hey. Stefanelli, PSR products. <laughs> Jonathan Brown, he's our driver. Bill, take us home. Ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for the privilege and honor of being able to do this podcast and for you to listen to it. I'm leaning right. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, high atop the first floor of my coach of the SLG Consulting Motor Coach with my wife staring at me because she wants dinner to be served. We're ready. And I'm Hermie Sadler. I'm turning left. This is Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. Powered by Pacematic. Appreciate y'all. SSR. SSR. Thank y'all for listening, and we'll see you again next week.